Okay, before I tell you all of that, um, she mentioned before that my husband is Dusty, and we pastor a church in Carrollton, Texas. And these are our daughters. This is Jaden, the brunette, or the dirty blonde. Uh, she is seven years old, and then Brooklyn is about to turn three in two weeks. And um, they keep us very busy, very, very busy. And um, Jaden just started first grade. Okay, we did the whole kindergarten thing last year, so we did do that. But I will say this to the parents who understand what I'm talking about. We're only a few months into this thing, and she's already coming home with some new vocabulary that she did not know or learn from us, and habits that we certainly did not instill into that little pumpkin. So um, pray for us, because Dustina are trying to be very strategic in our sweet little. She's a lot like her dad. She's very much a mover and a shaker, and she's... Um, a high standard bearer and all this fun stuff, and I love her to pieces. Brooklyn, my little blonde, neat little tidbit, I shared this at the women's event. Uh, when I was pregnant with both of them, I would pray over them in my stomach about their features. You know, the kind of thing where you're like, Lord, please give them my eyesight and not Dusty's, you know, and, 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 and good teeth, give them good teeth, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't want to have to pay for braces or whatever. Anyway, so whenever I was praying for Brooklyn, we already knew that it was going to be another girl. And uh, I was on my way into Daystar. I was on 121 in Cheeksbarger at the red light. And I'm holding my tummy. And I'm like, Lord, I just think it would be so cool to have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed little girl. Now, I know. That's silly. That's genetically impossible. I'm sorry. Just make sure she has my hands and my feet. Okay, God, you know, and then um, I never said anything else about it. And the day that the doctor delivered Brooklyn, she said, well, you've got a blonde. And let me tell you, she was white. Her hair, she was white. And even as a newborn, the brightest blue eyes. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he said, you only asked one time, but he was listening. And I just thought that was cool because God truly does care about the little stuff and the big stuff. So don't ever be ashamed to ask him for anything because he's always listening. Anyway, sidebar, proud mom moment, my kids. Um, so we had an awesome women's weekend, didn't we? That was fun. We liked it. God showed up, man, Friday night and on Saturday. And I was just so honored that your pastors would ask me to stay here on Sunday. And in case you didn't know, I'm going to inform you, you have some pretty amazing pastors. Okay? You just do. I so love their heart. And I, their daughter, Summer, is a very close friend of mine. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Summer delivered Jaden. So she's a midwife, and so she delivered our firstborn, and then she moved to Colorado, and we had to find someone else for Brooklyn. But then she moved back to Texas, and everybody was okay again, right? Yeah. So anyway, I love your pastors. And young people, I would like to say this to you. I did recognize some familiar faces from Reveal, and so that made me feel good on the inside because I was like, yay, I'm here with family, you know. But I also want to say this to your worship team. Pastor Yvette was explaining to me last night how your worship teams work. And um, I want to make sure, number one, it was awesome. It was awesome. I love your transparency. I love your passion. And I love the way that you truly submit yourself to the Holy Spirit when you're leading worship. 
I think that's beautiful. And for all of you that are involved in the worship team here, uh, I want to encourage you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. But I also want to make sure that you know the weight of the responsibility that you have, that it is a big deal that your pastors have entrusted you to do that. And so don't take it lightly. It's a huge honor. And you're right where you're supposed to be. And God's going to continue to anoint you and help you and guide you and grow you in this season. Don't ever take it lightly. It's a huge, huge part of what he does. And that's his worship. So I just wanted to say that because I thought that was really cool. All right. Sorry. Okay, we're moving in. Moving in. So, um, so that's my kids. You can take that down or I'm just going to be distracted for the whole thing because I miss them so much. But... Um, so coming off the tail end of this women's event, I, I, I do want to encourage the ladies that are in the room today, but men, you will not be forgotten. This applies to you as well. Okay, so um, I'm going to share with you today some principles that I think that we can all use in our lives um, because at some point in time in your life, you're going to be given an opportunity, okay? You're going to be given an opportunity to influence someone or something, an opportunity to shape or to mold, to cultivate, to influence someone or something in your life. And when that happens, that opportunity is going to give you a chance to make a difference. Okay? And when that happens, I want to give you a few thoughts, steps, principles, tools, whatever you want to call them, just something that you can kind of tuck away in your pocket, under your hat, that sort of thing, and pull out in a season of life where maybe you feel like you're losing your focus, where you feel like you've kind of are losing the, the purpose that God has given you, that you can pull out these tools and help put you back on track, okay, to keep doing what you were called here to do and to continue to make a difference in your life so you can help hear his voice and continue on his plan. So <clears throat> let's get started. As I mentioned earlier, Jaden is seven. She's stretching us. And my husband and I had a meeting, and I'm pulling out the parenting books because, you know, you just want to get it right on the first one, right? So anyway, and we're trying to strategize and figure all of this out. And I started thinking about motherhood, dads, parenting, all of this stuff. And I, and I kind of got this idea. And I started thinking that, you know, I feel like a really good definition for what we're doing right now, parenting, motherhood, something like that, is this, that we are leading while we're learning. So we're already leading, and we're learning while we're doing it. Sometimes, and all the parents, by the way, can I just have you? I don't need to say this. I like audience feedback. Don't leave me up here by myself, okay? I'm good with the clapping. I'm good with the laughs. I'm good with the, yeah, amen, that's cool. Wait, what did she say? I'm okay with that kind of stuff. So let's be in this service together. So a good definition for parenting, I believe, is that we are leading while we are learning. And all the parents said, amen. yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about today. So we've been thinking about this, and I feel like that's a really good description of what leadership in general looks like leadership in general where we are already leading and we're just barely one step ahead of the very thing that God has trusted us to care for where we're already in the situation we're in it and we're fearlessly trying to put one foot in front of the other as we are leading and learning with what God has already entrusted us 
with. So I have a little illustration here that I think might kind of break this down for you a little bit more to help you understand where I'm going with this, okay? Women, nine months ago, you go into the hospital heavy with child, okay? You're heavy with child. The very next day, you come out of the hospital with one of these, okay? And things just got real, okay? It got real because, you see, when this was inside our stomach, it was okay. It was cool. I mean, it was a little, you were a little nervous, but now it's out, and you're holding it, and it is making eye contact with you, and it's looking at you like, woman, you better know what you're doing because my life, my survival depends on you knowing how to take care of me. And then all of a sudden, as a parent, you start getting these, like, heart palpitations, right? You start sweating, and you start really realizing, oh my gosh, there's no such thing as a magical stork that is going to come down from the sky and carry this baby away from me if I mess up. I am in it. I can't get rid of it. I have to fearlessly put one foot in front of the other as I am learning how to take care of this true, live human being. And in the process, you have lots of well-meaning friends and family, you know what I'm talking about, who have all this advice and all this stuff that they think you should know and learn about parenting and all these opinions that they have about how you should raise your child, right? And now you've got all this information and you're sitting here going, wait, how many germs can accumulate on a seatbelt buckle? Wait, there's, what, do you do a pacifier? No, how many times do you say there's 12 ways to burp a baby? Wait, when do we, you know, and you have all this information. Did you know that there's different cries for a child? How do I know that? How do I know which one she's crying to? You have all this information and it's overwhelming, right? And you're sitting here, by the way, I just want to say that if you ever see a new mom come to church and she looks like she's been hit by a truck, let me assure you, she feels like she's been hit by a truck, okay? And while you come up to her and you goo and you gah over how adorable her precious little baby is, on the inside, she's going, help me. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm afraid if I tell you that, I could have a full-blown meltdown here at the coffee table and I can't do that today at church so you guys just give that new mama a little bit of a break okay give her a little bit of encouragement we're not really crazy ladies okay even though it feels like it that's just kind of what we're going through and so then you're going through this season where you have all this information right and you're finally starting to hit your groove you're feeling good about this parent thing I've got her I've got this I know what to do now then all of a sudden Everything begins to change. And it's no longer a little baby. You're into full-blown adolescence. Who are you? Everything I learned about this does not apply anymore to 
this. And now you're dealing with a teenager as well. And you're doing your research. You're doing your homework. You're trying to figure out, who is this person? Who is she? I don't understand what she's saying to me. What is that language? You know, why is she so angry all the time? You know, and you don't get it. And you're trying to be cool, right? You're trying to be that cool person where you're in the know. And they say something like, yeah, I get it. Google, what does lit mean? And then you come back in, you're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Okay. Google, what does bougie mean? And you're trying to figure out all these different terms. And you're like, is that an Xbox, a Nintendo, a Wii U, an iPad, iPhone? I'm so confused right now with all this lingo. By the way, when I was growing up, we didn't have a smartphone. Right? Amen. We didn't have an iPad. And I told my seven-year-old that the other day. And she looked at me like I was an alien from another planet, or like I had been terribly abused as a child. And she was like, Mom, what did you do for fun? And I just looked at this kid, and I'm like, I mean, I had fun. What are you talking about? Because like, I remember whenever my dad gave me the very first cell phones that came out. Remember those guys with the long antenna? And if you're really cool, you had the one that went in your car, and it came with a little duffel bag that you're supposed to put underneath your car seat. But it was so expensive, you could only use it in case of emergencies, right? That kind of thing. Anyway, moving on. So now you've got this little person in, your, in the teenager. Oh, and I think this is pretty funny, too. Dealing with teenagers. Some of you, this happens in our church, they're so overwhelmed with their teenager, they come to me and Dusty. We don't have teenagers, and they expect us to know what to tell them about their teen and their young adult and how to raise them, and we're like, I mean, we'll try to figure it out with you, you know? And it, honestly, I'm not kidding. I'm a little nervous about when Jaden and Brooklyn become teenagers. But anyway, moving on. You finally start hitting this groove in this season of your life, okay? And then all of a sudden, this changes. It changes. And now, you're dealing with a young adult. We're adulting now, okay? And you're looking at this person and you're like, oh, I wish there was just some way that I could hold you and cocoon you and protect you from this world. But honey, I'm sorry, I can't. It's time for you to grow up. You're 20, this is like talking to a millennial. You're 25 years old. It's time for you to get out of the house and go get a J-O-B, okay? Go go to college, figure out what you're gonna do with your life. It's time to know that there are real, true consequences to the decisions that you make or the lack thereof, okay? And you're just in this world and you're trying to figure all this out and you're trying to encourage them and then some of you, I don't get it, I can't explain it, but some of you decide to go all the way back to this again. And here's the deal. If this comes out a different gender than the one you had before, it's all new information, right? And this process starts all over again. And someone once described it to me this way. They said, Kendra, imagine that you're drowning. You are under the water, and you're kicking the water beneath your feet, and you're pushing the water down with your hands, and you're trying so hard. If you could just break through the surface, if you could just get through, and you pop up for air, 
someone throws you another child, and that's what it feels like to have three or more kids. <laughs> and that is when I said, Dusty and I are only having two. That's our anointing, and we're done. So if you are a parent here and you have more than two kids, first of all, I salute you. You're amazing. You're awesome, and I think you deserve a round of applause. Thank you all so much. You can go. Thank you. So that's basically what I'm trying to get you, to, a little visual of what I want you to understand today. Thank you. The fact that we are learning and we're leading fearlessly, okay, that feeling that sometimes you're only one step, barely one step ahead of the very thing that God has entrusted you with, okay, and you're trying so hard to fight that urge of fear to just run and avoid it, but you're in it, and God's entrusted you with it, okay? He's in this with you, and if you've ever felt that way before in your marriage, on your job, in your studies, it doesn't matter, in your life, if you've ever felt that way at all, I want you to know something. You're in good company today, because we've all felt that way at one point or another, okay? So today, we are in this together, and I'm going to give you those three tools that can help you in those overwhelming moments in life that we face. Kind of like where it says in 2 Timothy 1.7, it states, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. He has already given you everything that you need to not be afraid. Okay, he is with you in this to help you learn to lead fearlessly. So the first step is this. Ready? Tool number one. Love changes everything. Love changes everything. Did you know that there are two key emotions that God has given us as human beings? Just two. It's only two. We have a tendency to overcomplicate things, but really, he only gave us two, and that is love and fear. Everything good comes from love. Anger, depression, anxiety, frustration, all of that comes from fear, okay? So love and fear, those are the two things. And how many of you know how important it is that you could say something to someone and and your intentions may be very genuine. You may want the best for this individual. And your information could be correct, okay? But if you don't tell that person what you're thinking and what you have found out through love, if love is not your filter, then it is falling on deaf ears. They won't hear anything that you're saying. They're not going to get it. So, you know, we have got to use love as our filter. The majority of the population of the human beings here on Earth Planet Earth, human being one. Majority of them are emotive first. That means most of the people in your bubble, in your circle, is led by their emotions first. They're emotive creatures first. Kinetic, cognitive, emotive. Most of them are emotive, which means that there's a chance that the people that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, their first and primary filter when they're taking in information or sending out information through their mind, their filter is this. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. Most of the people on earth think that way. 
So you need to know that the people around you, whenever you're sharing information, their first thought is, can I trust you? Why should I listen to you? How, how, how do I know that you care about me? How do I know that you're a person of your word? Are you showing me this through your actions, through your tone, through your facial expressions? What are you, what are you telling me right now? You know, and I think that sometimes we tend to take the love chapter in the Bible for granted. You know, the one that that 1 Corinthians 13, the one where we only like to use at wedding ceremonies. It's so much more than that. It's actually the greatest blueprint, one of the greatest blueprint for how we should treat each other and go about life. Okay, let's break it down together. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 13, starting at 5 through 9. Everything I read is in the message translation today. All right? One, love never gives up. Because listen, you're going to want to quit sometimes. You're, going to want, you're tired of that person. You're tired of the situation. You're going to want to give up, but you can't. You know why? Because love doesn't give up. Love cares more for others than self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love isn't greedy, people. It doesn't strut. It's not arrogant. Okay? It doesn't have a swelled head, and it doesn't force itself on others. In other words, love is not manipulating, and it's not controlling. Okay? It isn't an always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. You know, it's sometimes we have to remember that whenever we're in the heat of the moment, that love must be louder than our anger. It has to be louder than our anger. Because in those moments, we can say things in our anger that will, in fact, tear down the thing that we have been trying to build this entire time. You've got to let love be your um, filter because it just takes the edge off of it. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Ooh, that's such a good one right there. We have to learn to put our scorecard away. We have to do it, okay? Because here's the deal. People are going to make mistakes when it comes to leading, when it comes to marriage, friendships, parenting, school, whatever it is. And I want to say this right now to the parents that are in the room. Please hear me. <clears throat> There is no such thing as a good kid or a bad kid. But if you say it enough times, you will make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. Amen. You must control your tongue and the words that you speak out of it. Okay? <clears throat> Everyone has good days, and some people have bad days. Okay? We're all in this thing called life together. We've got to practice the grace that God's given us. We've got to practice mercy that he's given to us, to others. Okay? Sorry. Just had a touch on that just for a little bit thank you so don't it doesn't revel or grovel um, it takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth it puts up with anything it trusts God always it's always looking for the best it never looks back it keeps going until the end love never fails and love changes everything amen isn't that awesome so you got to listen up you can do stuff you, you, can, you, can, um, you can do whatever you want to do. You can, you can discipline your children. You can tell your spouse how you truly feel. You can talk to your parents how you really feel about something. But you got to make sure that love is your filter. Teens, you may have this urgency in you right now to express your feelings and your thoughts about something where you just really want your voice to be heard. But I'm telling you right now, if love is not your filter when you speak it, that's not what they're going to see nor is that what they're going to hear. They won't hear the truth that is bubbling out of you. You've got to think, think before you speak and make sure that love is your filter. Because if you say things in anger, 
You can never take that away from the ears that just heard it. It's there. Okay? So we got to use love. Got to use love as our filter. Is this good for everybody? Are we doing okay? The second tool that I want to give you today, as you are fearlessly leading while you're learning, is this. Failure is not final. Failure is not final. Okay? I need you to know <clears throat> that in this life, if you are breathing, which all of you seem to be so far, we're doing pretty good, you're going to fail. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess up. It will happen. It is inevitable. Something is going to happen. There's no such thing as a perfect mother, a perfect father, a perfect son, a perfect daughter, a perfect wife, a perfect husband, a perfect pastor, a perfect leader. No one is perfect. Not here anyway, on earth. I'm just saying, none of us are perfect, okay? We are all going to make mistakes. And I can't tell you the, the amount of times that my husband, Dusty, and I have failed, you know, <clears throat> as parents or as leaders, you know? We're, sometimes we just don't get it right. But here's the problem with failure. As a person, if you fail, right, the problem is with many of us is that we let our past failures often dictate our future actions. And that's a problem. We can't do that. Thank you. We can't do that. Because when we act in fear, then we react out of fear. And then we continue to make decisions in what? Fear. Exactly. In fear. And so, therefore, we go around this life living a life full of fear. And that's not what God has for us. <clears throat> we, and I know some of you are probably like me, a little bit of a perfectionist, okay? Where you, you care about something so deeply. It's so important to you. And you just want to get it right. You just want it to be like this perfect little package and you don't want anything to fail or break or, and you just want it to be right, okay? And this is what happens with that. I need you to understand something. It's not going to be perfect. And not, God didn't call you to be perfect. All he simply asked of you is to be obedient to him. And to do what you do unto him. That's what he's asked you to do. And I love this scripture. It's in Jeremiah 11, 5 through 8. And again, message translation. And it simply says this. And I hope these words encourage you if you're like that little perfectionist. It says, obey what I tell you. Do exactly what I command you. Your obedience will seal the deal. You'll be mine and I'll be yours. This will provide the conditions in which I will be able to do what I promised your ancestors, to give them fertile and lush land. And as you know, that's what I did. Our God will keep his word. He always does. And have you? Yes, he always does. So I'm glad that we serve a God like that. And have you ever considered, just a thought, just a thought, have you ever considered that your actions in obedience to God today are actually setting up the course for future generations to follow? So if you choose to be obedient today, you are creating what your legacy is going to look like behind you. And it doesn't just affect your lineage, your family, but it's like this, this domino effect. It affects so many other people and their destinies around them 
around you as well. Okay? So he's, he, all he wants from us is to be obedient. He didn't ask for perfection because he knows that we and ourselves and our own power, we're not capable of it. Okay? But instead, he lays what the parameters down for what God feels is the most important. And what is that? A relationship with him. Because he says, I'll be yours and you'll be mine. That's what is so important to God. Not our perfection, but him and who he is. Who he is. And I just want to take a moment right now. I didn't do this first service, but I feel it in this service. I want to take a moment to talk to the single moms real quick. First of all, you're doing an awesome job. You're doing a great job. Single dads, you're doing a great job. But I want you to hear what I have to say, moms. It is not your responsibility to be the mother and the father to your child. You can't do it. It's not your job to father your child. But you do have a responsibility to show your children the love of the father. And how he loves. What he says love looks like. That's what your responsibility is to do on that. Okay? You have a responsibility to show them, to let them experience. Let them walk in on you praying. It's okay. Share with them the goodness of God. Talk to your kids about how you didn't know how you were going to pay the bill, about how you didn't know where your next meal was coming from or where your next job was going to be, and how God always provided. When you share these moments with your children, you are building their faith. You are encouraging them, and you're instilling something deep within their spirit that says, there's someone that cares about me, and he's got a purpose for me, and I'm not doing this life alone. And I know that if I ever feel alone and scared, there's someone that I can always turn back to. That's your responsibility. Sorry, that was just for free. Okay, moving on. And, you know, and I also want to think about this. If you make a mistake... You need to own the mistake. Just acknowledge it, because we're going to make them. Acknowledge you made the mistake, and then you get to turn around and fix it. Okay? It's really simple. It's really, really simple. I want you to look at what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13. Okay? This is Paul. He's writing a church to the Corinth, to the church of Corinth, and he basically is checking in on them. He's saying, hey, how you doing? You know, I hope that we're not failing in certain areas, but hey, if we are, we need to acknowledge it, let's fix it, and move on. Okay? We need to face the facts. That's what he's saying here. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 through 9. He says, test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted, but give yourself regular checkups. Give yourself regular checkups. I do that all the time. I have to look at myself and say, okay, Kendra, how's your anger today? How's your heart doing today? Are you having more lows than ups? Are you practicing grace? Where's your mercy level right now, Kendra? How are you doing? We've got to give ourselves regular checkups. Okay, do I have accountability for this part of my life? Am I talking to someone about what I'm experiencing that I'm going through? Regular checkups. It's so important. Then he goes on to say, you need first-hand evidence 
not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. And if you fail the test, do something about it. Do, do something about it, right? Then he goes on further down to say, we don't just put up with our limitations, we celebrate them. And then we go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth and you. And we pray that it will all come together in your lives. So see, we celebrate the successes, but we also celebrate the failures, right? And why do we do this? We do this because both make us better. Both make us better, okay? Therefore, if the failure and the successes together make us a better creature in Christ, therefore that tells me that failure is not final. Good can still come from it. And that's awesome to me. So I know that as you're listening to me talking about failure, and some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, and failure's not final. There's an entirely different group of people that are in this room right now. And the different group of people, they're receiving this information differently. And the way they're receiving it, it's hard for them to talk about this topic. And it's hard for them to hear it because they weren't the one that failed. Someone failed them. Someone that they trusted, someone that you cared about, someone that you believed in failed you. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe they didn't affirm you and speak nurturing and loving words over you as a child. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your spouse messed up. Maybe you've had a divorce. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your former boss or your boss now. Maybe it's your teacher. Maybe it's your school. Either way, the fact is at some point you put trust into someone and you believed in them and they failed you. They let you down. And if that's you in this room today, I want you to hear what I say. First of all, I'm sorry. Someone, you really need to hear that. I'm sorry for what was done to you. It shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened, and I'm sorry. And they were wrong. But listen, you have two very real choices right now. Okay? The first choice that you could make could be this. You could choose to stay in the shadow of that failure and let it define you, which is what you've been doing up to this point. Or you have another choice, and the other choice is this. You can choose to say, yep, that happened to me. It, it did. It happened to me. But failure is not final in my life, and I will not build a life around failure. I will build a life around faith for a better future. That's the second choice you get. As Paul said, you get to choose. It's all on you, boo. You get to make the choice right there what it's going to be. Okay, moving on. Moving on to tool number three. This is the last tool that I want to give you this morning. This is, to me, one of the most important tools that I myself have to focus on. And that's this. Choose the voice you listen to. Choose the voice you listen to. I have to practice this one daily because words of affirmation, that's my love language. Okay? I have to really focus on this one. Two years ago-ish, my husband and I, um, 
we like to go out on vacation in Mexico. And we chose to go to this particular resort. We'd never been there before. So, you know, that's always kind of nerve-wracking because you just never really know what you're going to get. And it's your vacation. You want it to be right, you know. Anyway, so we go to this resort. And I don't know if you're like me, but for me, it's not a real vacation if I don't get at least one spa day. Thank you. Right? right? It is not a vacation unless I get to experience at least one massage. Okay? And if I get that massage, it's been a fantastic vacation. We can wrap it up and go home. Okay? So anyway, I, um, I had booked a massage at this spa there at this resort that we'd never been to. And so I was a little nervous because I didn't know if they were going to be good like the other spas, you know, that kind of thing. And so far, I walked in there, and we were off to a good start. Okay? The lights were down. The flute music was playing. You know what I'm talking about? That really relaxing. I can't do it. Anyway, um, that's playing. The candles are lit. You smell lavender oil everywhere. And they give you that plush, thick, white robe. And it's just so soft when you put it on. And so and I, I'm waiting for um, my massage therapist to walk in. And she comes in. And I'm expecting her to tell me to lay down on the table. But instead, she says, could you, could you please sit on the edge of the table? And I would like for your feet to hang off. And I thought, well, this is different, but okay. So I did what I was asked to do. And I sat on the end, and my feet are hanging just above the floor. And all, this, she brings out this, um, all of a sudden, she brings out this big brass bowl full of water. And she puts it underneath my feet. And she begins washing my feet. This had never happened to me before at a spa. And it wasn't just that she was washing my feet. Like, I want you to get the real image here. She was being very meticulous about what she did. Okay, she was very intentional and took her time in washing my feet. She would take her hand in this slow, gentle motion and lift up the water and let it gently drip on the top of my foot and fall off to the sides. And then she would do it again on both feet. And I'm having this, like, you know, pastor moment kind of thing where I'm like, I wonder if this is what it felt like when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. You know, it's just like you have all these crazy thoughts going on in your head. And she's washing my feet. And then she takes out the towel and starts patting my foot dry. And then I thought, oh, well, this is nice. And then she said, could you close your eyes? And I wish I could do her accent really well and, and give it justice, but she had the most beautiful accent, and her tone was just so, it was just beautiful. I, I closed my eyes, she put her hand on my back, and she whispered these words in my ears. She said, you are special, you are full of beauty, you are strong, you are appreciated. You are valued and you are a treasure that should be treated as a rare jewel. Now relax and receive your pampering. <laughs> and all the women were like, what? <laughs> Where were you at? Yeah, exactly. And like, I had this moment, okay, like I know I was there for a massage, 
But this woman was ministering to me. And as she continued to proceed with my massage, I started weeping, like tears on the table. I was so, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't control it. It was crazy. And so I go back to my room with my husband, and he's been waiting on me. And I'm like, babe, i got to tell you what happened. And so I walk him through the process, and I'm just crying at this point. And I told him, I said, I just don't understand how these words from a complete and total stranger would have this kind of effect on me. And that day began a very real conversation between me and my husband, where he and I began to dissect all the lies that I had chosen to keep in my head about who I was and what my value was. And that day, I'm sorry, that day he and I made some very real choices about our lives that set things into motion for what we're doing together today. We had to make some very tough choices, but we did it. We did it. And I, I remember thinking, what happened at what moment did I allow wrong voices into my mind? At what point did their untruthful words begin to hold so much weight in my heart? When did that happen? And I, I get it. I get that we're living in a world who has a lot of opinions about what they think we should believe, what, how we should vote, what we should wear, how we should look, how we should behave, all of these different things. And they are constantly bombarding us and pulling at us and trying to throw their identity on you and tell you how you're worthy, how you're not worthy, where you're valued, where you're not valued. And if we're not careful, we will allow these wild and crazy expectations of this world to scream so loud in our minds that we cannot even hear the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. Because we're too worried about what other people think. And we're too worried about not offending them. We're too worried about others instead of what the voice of God has to say about you. And at some point, these voices, they became the driving voice, the, the, the driving force that started dictating your own happiness. It happened. At some point, you allowed that to happen to you. And with all the many different hats that we wear in life, all the different titles, mom, dad, woman, man, daughter, teenager, student, teacher, employer, employee, pastor, leader, blah, 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 all these different titles that we wear and all of this stuff, everyone around you will have an opinion about who you should be and how you should operate in those roles. They just will. And meanwhile, while they're voicing their opinion, we're just trying to love people, right? We're just trying to take care of the people that God has entrusted us with. We're just trying to move on through this life with our purpose. And if you're not careful, the next thing that you know, if you listen to these voices too much, you're going to start feeling that burnout. You're going to start feeling overwhelmed. You're going to start feeling stressed. And you're not going to know why. And it's because you're listening to the wrong voices of intimidation, fear, judgment, criticism, anger, all of that. 
disappointment. You've got to let it go. Because here's the deal. It's like what Paul said. You've got to face the facts. At some point, you chose to believe those voices about you. At some point, you chose to give those voices weight and authority in your life. You made the decision. You said that was an important voice. You will never be able to control people, but you will be able to control what you hear and what you choose to believe about yourself. You will be able to choose to listen to what they have to say about you or what God has to say about you. And you will be able to decide what belief system, what, whatever it is about your own self who you are, you have to set the kind of standard for the person that you want to be and who you feel like the Holy Spirit is directing you to be, okay? Some of you got to filter out those voices in your life. They're not speaking truth to you. And some of you right now in this room, you're not at peace because Jesus is not at the center of those voices in your life. You've got to filter out your voices so that let Jesus be the center of it again in your world. Some of you... What, what I want today is for us to have this, this kind of passion, this kind of, of, of love, and, and able to hear this kind, this kind of tenacity to hear the voice of God. It's more like where David wrote to God, and he's talking about all of his troubles and what he's going through in Psalms 143, verse 7. David's writing, and he says, God, if you wake me each morning with the sound of your loving voice, I'll go to sleep each night trusting in you. Point out the road I must travel. I'm all ears, all eyes about you. Save me from my enemies. God, you're my only hope. Teach me how to live to please you because you're my God. Lead me by your blessed spirit into clear and level pasture land. Let that be our prayer. Let that be our prayer. That God, I want your voice to be the loudest voice that I hear today. I want your voice. How wonderful it is that he, the creator of the world, our heavenly father, he isn't the one that put unrealistic expectations on us. No, we allowed that to happen ourselves. We did that. Not him. He is your grace. He is here, and he offers mercy in your failures because he loves you. He loves you. Oh, how he, I love that song. Oh, how he loves you. He loves you. All he wants you to do is this. Just do your best. Do your best. And then he says, be obedient to me. Listen to my voice and let my love guide you. Don't get trapped in your past because all he sees is your future. That's all he sees. What a God. What an amazing God that he would love us that much. That much. Has this helped anyone today? Are you... I want to wrap this up, and um, I would like for everyone to please, if you, if you will, bow your head and close your eyes with me. 
You know, some of you, these voices of your past have been screaming at you, and they have literally kept you paralyzed. You've been paralyzed by fear. You've been unable to walk into your present because you are afraid of the mistakes and the, the disappointments from your past. And others of you, you're paralyzed in this room today because of the unhealthy relationships you have been a part of and are still a part of today. As a result, you carry around this weight, this, these heavy weights in your life. And I want to tell you this today, that there is, there's only one way to move forward. And you can move forward. You can put one foot in front of the other and lead while you're learning fearlessly. You can do that. But it's only through the voice of Jesus. His voice has to be the loudest in your life. And I'm wondering if some of you in here today, if you've truly, if you truly have submitted yourself to his voice. Because God's voice is a voice that loves you right where you're at. Just the way that you are right now. And God sent his own son to this earth to die on a cross simply because he loved you. And I want you to think about this with me. In my humanity, I might, I maybe, I might throw myself in front of you and sacrifice myself to protect you. Maybe. But if I was asked to sacrifice one of my children, my Brooklyn, or my, my Jaden, for you, to save you, I just don't know that I would be able to do that. And yet, your Heavenly Father did just that for you. Because he loves you. He sent his own son to die in your place because he wants his voice to empower you and to be speaking to you. And he wants a relationship so badly with you. So do you know him? Do you know him this way? Have you fully put your trust in him? Do you want to make a choice today that God's voice will be the loudest voice in your life. That today is something new. That today you can start fresh, where you can let all the past go. The failure, none of that matters anymore. Because he's looking at here and he sees you and oh, he thinks you're so beautiful. And he loves you. And he just wants a relationship with you. Today, if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, or you know, maybe you just need to refresh it. Maybe you need to restart this relationship with him and say, I've got off track, I got unfocused. I need to, I need to recenter this. I need to put Jesus back in the center of all this mess again. I, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up because I believe that this is a very personal and private decision. But I do think that it is important for you to tell your flesh what your heart is deciding. So I am going to ask you that if this is you, that at the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand real quick. And then you can put it back down. Okay? One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
see you're ready to leave your fear today. You're ready to walk into purpose. You're ready to walk into and make a difference with his voice. Let it speak for you and be with you. I'm going to say a prayer. And I want you to pray this with me and you can make it your own. You do not have to say exactly what I say. You know, you have your own way and that's fine. Use your own words. It just needs to be yours. Okay? But it needs to sound something like this. Jesus, today I'm asking you to come and be the Lord of my life. And then you need to say this part because this is really important. I'm sorry. Please forgive me for every sin that I've committed against you. And today, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Come and live in me and be my God. I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap our hands this morning for all those who made that prayer and that decision today. Thank you so much for letting me come and be with y'all today. I'm very honored and grateful. Yeah.